0: Hello, and welcome to the Subnormal Podcast. My name is Lauren, and I interview artists with spiritual practices, because sometimes what inspires us artistically is what fuels us spiritually, or sometimes the other way around. Today is our 30th episode. I'm so excited um, to reach this milestone in 2023. Um, And to celebrate it, we have another talented ceramicist. This time, it's Alexandria from Montana. Alexandria is another amazing, talented artist that I had the pleasure of meeting while spending some time up in Massachusetts for Unifier Festival. When I met Alexandria, I came across her beautiful pottery that was covered and flower of life and other sacred geometry and was just such a beautiful earthly color so it was so fun to connect and see where she is at what she is making and it was so cool to catch her right at the time when she was about to launch a brand new collection. So today we talk a whole lot about what inspired this collection and the transformation that her work is taking. To describe her work, it feels prehistoric. It feels like an artifact from a different time. And so learning about her process and what that looks like, it's it just makes so much sense why her work looks the way it does. It's so powerful and so ancient, but also playful and soft. But of course, if you want to see it in person, which I highly recommend you do so, or at least through Instagram, um, you can connect with Alexandria through Instagram, and Crow, all lowercase, all one word. And of course, her website where you can purchase some of these new and beautiful pieces, narwhalandcrow.com. But before we go forward, of course, a little bit of housekeeping, and then we can get into the good stuff. If you would like to support this podcast, as always, there are a few ways to do that. The first would be Just following on Spotify or things like that, it lets Spotify know that you not only like what you're listening to, but it will recommend the podcast to others who might be interested in it as well. So that helps get the word out there. But of course, if you want to help out in other ways, I do have a Patreon. It is a place where we do art rituals each month. And so you can join those live or watch the recording. And this is basically a space where we treat art as a more therapeutic, meditative practice. Each month we have a theme. And this month, the theme has been change. And so using art to connect with that word and see what change means for us. And of course, once you join, you have access to every month's um, recordings, as well as our creative prompts that you can explore on your own. And yeah, so if all that sounds interesting to you, you'd like to join or just support the podcast, link will be in the show notes as well. Definitely check out Alexandria's work. It's absolutely gorgeous. I've been so inspired by it for years, so it was so fun to connect and, of course, share her work with you. So with that said, thank you for being here. Thank you, Alexandria, for sharing your work with us. And let's just dive right in.
1: Okay, so... Currently, I'm actually redesigning my entire product line, which Mm. is, uh, it's been a task. (laughs) Yeah. But I've been working with um, soda firing for the last two years. And so I've been working on like colors and clay textures and like all of the like physical, tangible things that you can see. And so this last, like, six weeks, I've basically, like, sketched and doodled and, like, figured out what kind of shapes that I want. So I'm keeping all of my colors consistent, and then I'm basically just changing every single shape. So what it has been in the past couple years, it's completely, like, changing every single shape.
0: So, Yeah. What's been inspiring your your new shapes? Because that is so exciting.
1: Yeah, um, I think it's just like a moment of like, it's like a reflection of the growth that like I feel like I'm working on right now. And then I'm like, mm. okay, like I'm ready to like move into a new chapter in like my life and just wanting to like level up and evolve and just like, shift things forward and so I think it's just like a reflection of the work that I've been doing and just like wanting to make things that feel like they resemble me and my energy more I guess
0: Mm. what resembles your energy then because I feel like that's that's such a powerful thing to say
1: (laughs) I think one of the things that I struggle with the most with art is like you get kind of stuck in this like okay people like this so I'm gonna make this right and so right so it's like you know slowly over time you're like oh man this doesn't really like fit with like who I feel like I want to be represented as through my art and so things are just like maybe like taller more elegant like standing tall with like shoulders wide kind of like just like more like powerful i i don't know it's kind of hard to describe but yeah just like the evolution of self and like stepping into my power as a person i'm like okay how can i do the same for my work and have it be like work that i'm really proud of and really excited to be making um not mm-hmm. that my, not that what I was making, like, didn't make me feel good, but you get stuck in like a thing of just right. like, you no know. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, I can totally understand that. And I feel like that expression, what you just said, as far as like standing tall, having that elegance is like really connecting to a maturity that you want to empower Empowered. into that work. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Totally. Yeah. It's all, I mean, my whole life right now is about like reclaiming my power. And mm. so it's like, it's, it's funny. It's totally related to that. And at first I was like, I'm just going to redo like one shape. And then I was like, oh, but now it doesn't match the other shapes. And now I'm like, okay, six weeks later, I'm like, everything's different. And I'm like, oh. mm. but it's also like, I'm not sharing any of it on social media at all because I don't want anyone to see the like process that's happening of like the shifting. And like, I want to like, have a moment of like, here's the new. And so it's like, I'm like, okay, either everyone's going to hate everything new that I've made. And I just spent the last two months, like basically like wasting my time. Or it's going to be like, fucking killer I don't know oh can we curse on
0: (laughs) yes go ahead
1: totally (laughs) (laughs) fucking killer (laughs) yes yeah but yeah so it's like an unveiling happening that I'm like absolutely terrified because I've just been comfortable making the same things for years so I'm like Mm
0: -hmm. that's so potent I just like are you this is totally a tangent, but are you into <laughs> astrology t- or tarot at all? Oh, totally. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what you, just said, tarot.
0: what you just said really resonates with what I understand, like, so the year, the card of the year is, uh, for 2023 is the chariot. And that yeah. sounds like such a chariot thing of like, you've done the same thing and it's like beautiful and amazing. But you have just like outgrown your shell and it's yeah. like time oh, that's, to mold. Oh, that's
1: yeah. 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 And I, this is like my 28th year. And so it's like I'm entering my Saturn return. And I'm like, <gasps> what a Saturn return thing to do to like throw away, yes. like <laughs> start over. So yeah, it's, yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's
0: so funny because the, um, I just interviewed another artist two weeks ago, they are ending their Saturn return and you are beginning oh, that process. And I just, it's like, <laughs> yeah. wow, the, the ebb and flow, mm-hmm. which I think is just so exciting. You're like on the precipice of that. And I think it's pretty mm-hmm. special that you're doing it in secret, like kind of creating this, yeah. thing.
1: you know, there's like so many moments. I'm just like, so excited. I want to share, mm-hmm. but like with pottery specifically, like, it's not like painting where like you can see it and it's like done as you're like like you make a stroke and it's like that's you know you can take a picture and it's done with pottery i am making it you have to let it dry then you have to cook it once then you have to glaze it then you have to cook it again so it's just like right everything i'm working on is like raw like people don't really see what i see because i see it as like the finished product and so i'm yeah. like there's like a part of like i want to share it so bad but also like People won't get it. And I want it to be like the full unveiling of just like right. this is the new. But
0: yeah, there's something so powerful knowing that like you can just kind of like keep it to yourself as like that little secret. And I think it's hard for artists to really do that, especially because we live in a world where art is so much content now as well. So totally almost detrimental to be like I have to reserve but it really is
1: Mm -hmm. yeah Um. because like even last year I was working on I was working like on new like objects because like I had just made you know cups and planters and just like kind of like basic household necessities so I make functional pottery so I'm not doing like sculpture anything like that and so like when you're thinking of like designing products it's strictly about like how does this function and like will it like will a vase hold flowers in a nice way you know like you, or like will it be really nice and drinkable or is it going to like dribble down your face like that that whole side of it and so like i was redesigning products as far as like trying like to make like jars and like more complicated things last year mm-hmm. which kind of like spiraled into me redoing everything But I would like share something on social media of like I made this for the first time ever, you know, and it it was perfect. You know, some people would be like, "Whoa, that's so cool!" And then like you know, it didn't like work functionally, and so I was like, I had to throw it away. And like you know, so it's like I don't want to share things before they're ready. I guess, yeah. But yeah, pottery is (laughs) crazy. I don't know.
0: (laughs) It is. I'm actually, so I want to, speaking of like, maybe not the function, but like your technique, I think is very interesting. Yeah. And you mentioned right at the top of this conversation, um, what you use is you said soda,
1: like, yeah, firing so I, Yeah. 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 So I do soda firing. So basically what that means is, um, when i put things in the final kiln to be fired i'm firing in a gas kiln so i'm manually controlling valves of gas and air to like make the kiln rise in temperature and whether it's going to be in like a reduction environment or an oxidation environment which are just like two two totally different firing styles but I don't really know too much of the difference, but typically like an indoor kiln is oxidation and then an outdoor like gas kiln is typically reduction. Um, And so what happens in my kiln is once it gets to the top temperature, it takes anywhere from 15 to 20 hours that I need to like be present for (laughs) for the entire time and like watch it manually. Um, And so then at top temperature, I take bricks out of the side of my kiln and spray a mixture of soda ash, which is um, like a washing ash, which is like cooked baking soda, basically. Mm -hmm. And um, mix it with water and then spray it into the kiln at top temperature. And so I, I don't glaze anything on the outside. All of my colors and texture, like different textures come from how the flame hits the pottery in the kiln wow it's like kind of luck based if you get good pieces or not because you know I know like at this point I know which clay bodies like which colors of clay which colors of clay um can go where in the kiln based Mm -hmm. on like where they'll look the best but yeah it's totally luck based on like if you'll get really good pieces or really bad pieces.
0: That's so cool though. Like this, like playing with the element
1: of fire just sounds so inspiring. Yeah, that's like my favorite part of it, really. I mean, pottery uses every single element in the creation. Like I start with earth, which is just a powdered dry earth. I add water and then I make it and then I use air to dry it all out. And then I fire it with fire, and so it's kind of like it's really fun to like follow the the path of like the different elements throughout the the process. Yeah, it's like
0: a type of alchemy as you're like <laughs> using soda ash to literally like create these textures. Yeah, yeah, it's so fun. Amazing. I'm curious what. Um when did you learn this technique or what kind of got you um to really connect to the this style?
1: Yeah, so um typically you learn like a reduction kiln first. And so when I was I didn't go to school for art at all. And so mm-hmm. all of my like experience and like training has all just been like hands-on like watching people. Wow. And so my teacher where I grew up in Boise, um, he showed me how to fire a reduction kiln, which is you just it's basically the same, but you just don't spray the soda in. But you have to like learn how to like there's like a couple different things on the kiln that you need to adjust to like make it rise at the right like rate and temperature and like make sure it doesn't just like go from like zero to a thousand degrees in like an hour, you know, like stuff like that. Right. And so um, It took me a couple firings with him to, like, learn how to fire the kiln. And then when I moved to, they had a soda kiln there, but we weren't allowed to fire it because of just, like, safety. And it was, like, a community studio. Right. And so one of my goals in moving to Montana, because Montana is pretty well known for pottery. Like, I don't know if you know this, but, like, one of the nation's, like most recognized pottery centers is in Montana it's like wow. two hours away yeah it's called the the Archie Bray and um, I didn't know that before I moved here because I'm not very like I wasn't really like paying attention to that whole ceramic world I guess right but yeah so like pottery is really big here like a lot of really famous potters live in Montana and have like home studios and so I was like Okay, like this type of firing is like fairly well established. And so I found a mm-hmm. center here that has a soda kiln and so I just one of the residents at the studio that I work in showed me how to use it and then I just kind of went from there and yeah, I've been firing in that kiln for about a year and a half. So,
0: wow. I Learned so much about Montana right now. <laughs> I had no idea. That's so yeah. cool. Have you kind of connected to a lot of different potters who inspire you? What is that like to be in like the epicenter of the pottery? Yeah. World? It
1: is. Honestly, like that was part of my excitement, you know, of just like, oh my gosh, I'm going to meet all these really cool potters. And, you know, it's kind of like a mixed bag because being someone that's not educated in pottery, there's a little bit of, like, a pretentious, like, vibe of, like, oh, you're not educated in this, so, like, you're just, like, one of those little home studio people, I guess, um, but, some of the people that I've met are just literally so full of knowledge and just want to share and just want to teach and like I'm so excited for the people that I share my studio with and to just like be able to bounce ideas back and forth and be like hey I'm like playing around with this new shape like what do you think like do you like it you know and then they're like oh I'm working on this cool thing but so it's kind of a mixed bag like it's yeah. either like super friendly and helpful, or it's like, you're not allowed to know that because you didn't go to school for, for it, if that makes sense.
0: That totally makes sense. I <laughs> I could totally see that, especially with, you know, there is some elitism in all forms of art, um, unfortunately. It is, yeah. So it makes sense that it would be there as well. But it's good to hear that there's such... A, a a good community as well to kind of help support your growth personally since this is like a new well not I maybe mean, not a new endeavor but not yeah. what you went to school for
1: right 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 yeah yeah I mean I've been I think I've been doing pottery for like almost 10 years and then just like have been doing art my whole life so I mean my whole life has been art and art related and like trying to pursue art in one way or another mm-hmm. but yeah yeah no it's it's really nice to have welcoming people in my community for sure
0: yeah I'm curious uh, because one of the things that when I first met you at unifier festival years ago the first thing that I was like really drawn to with your your ceramics was the imagery that you use and the symbols, and a lot of your work that I'm familiar with has the flower of life and those patterns on it. And I'm curious um, for you and your evolution of of work—is that continuing to be there? And how has that really, how have you connected with that?
1: Yeah, I would say yeah. Like the flower of life will never leave uh, for mm-hmm. me. I don't know. I don't know what it really is about that specific pattern, but for me, like every time I'm like, oh, maybe I'll change it up. Like it just comes back and I'm like, okay, like I get it. Like, I don't know what it is, but um, yeah. I mean, I've been doodling this flower of life in my sketchbook since I was probably like, for like, yeah, like for like 10, 11 years. And just like, I remember the first time I saw it, I was in Mount Shasta, you know, like going past a little crystal store. And I was like, oh, that's, you know, didn't really like think anything about it. And then like a couple of weeks later, I was just like sitting down with my sketchbook and I was like trying to draw it from memory because I was like, oh, I want to try to draw it and I couldn't figure it out. And so Mm -hmm. I like I I didn't know how to Google it because I was like a pattern of circles, you know, I (laughs) I don't know what this means. And so it took me a while to like find it and learn how to draw it but um, I mean, I literally just drew it over and over and over and over and over again for years. Yeah. And yeah, something about that pattern just really speaks to me. And I just, it's everywhere in my life. It's everywhere in my house. Like I started uh, like embroidering for my myself and just like embroidering patches on things. And, mm-hmm. like, everything I've embroidered has just been the flower of life because I just, like, don't, and it's, like, sometimes I just, like, don't know what else to do. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the flower of life and geometric shapes are, like, the main patterns that I work with, as well as just, like, leaves and flowers and, like, botanical stuff and fossils. Um Yeah. Those are like the main patterns that I use. And all of that is staying like the surface decorations and colors. That's all staying fairly similar. Like it's pretty much the same. Mm -hmm. And then yeah, on new shapes.
0: (laughs) Cool. With your work, I've noticed this feel of the ancient. Because for some of your pieces, there are figures and the figures kind of almost remind me of cave drawings. Is there any specific like something that impacted you that influenced this? Is it kind of like the flower of life where it's just been like this is ingrained in me to to
1: explore? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like a mix of all of that, honestly. Um, those little like spirits or like little dancing beings um have been something that i've drawn again in my notebooks like subconsciously for years Mm. and um a lot of that has come through from um medicinal plant journeys yeah, and just like experiencing things like psychedelically psychedelically But um, yeah, and so, and then also, I've always been really interested in the primitive cultures of just like hunting and gathering and that way of life. And I, one of the most, one of the books that probably shaped me a lot when I was younger was, it's a book series called The Clan of the Cave Bear. I don't know if you've heard Mm. of it never heard of but it but it sounds beautiful it's a it's a series about an herbalist or it's a series about a girl who becomes an herbalist and it's based in I in it's based in Europe in Paleolithic times I guess I'm not really sure what that's what that's called but um mm-hmm. it's like a book about her journey of like becoming herself and like becoming an herbalist and I don't know when I was younger it just really influenced me and yeah I mean I I don't I didn't like go to school or anything for it but I definitely have a, a very large reverence for plants um I I don't really have a religion per se that I follow but Um, I guess if I were to say that I like my religion would be like talking to the trees. Um, Mm -hmm. Like my favorite thing, like if I need energy, I just like go to the mountains and just like sit under a tree and like kind of like have a conversation with the plants. And so the little beings that I draw and like all of the little like dancing figures to Mm -hmm. me, represent nature spirits, right? So it's like the little, like, if you think of every tree having a spirit, then like, they kind of like become these little like creatures. And I don't know if you've seen any of the, have you watched any of the Miyazaki movies?
0: I was just thinking, I was like, oh, this reminds me of Princess Monoki.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. And so yeah and I just really like that depiction of you know every flower every like tree you know just having this little creature inhabiting it and um yeah yeah so it's like a prayer to them almost
0: oh that's yeah. so sweet do you have a um a special place that you visit to kind of connect to the earth and the trees in in montana
1: yeah i mean i there's so many different places you can go here like i could probably drive in any direction and find really really cool hiking trails and so i don't really have like one specific place but i live about like two blocks away from the river that runs through missoula and so i just like can walk down to the beach in like a couple minutes um and so I just like to do that and sitting by the water side and you know I have a couple different like beach spots that I walk to I guess but yeah
0: Mm, that sounds so beautiful yeah and I feel like from everything you're saying that really inspires the colors that you use as well because even the clay it's a red clay right that you use
1: Yeah, I have, um, right now I have four different clays. And so I have like a red clay, a dark brown clay, like a medium tan clay, and then a white clay. And then I combine them all in like different ways. But yeah, like all of my colors are neutral. I love, I'm really obsessed with mustard yellow right now. Like, like, (laughs) I don't know what it is about it, but I just like... I can't like I can't make anything without a little bit of mustard yellow in it right now. But um yeah, just you know, like the forest green and like the blue of the mountains and like how the like if you look out into the mountains, it's like gradients of blue as it moves farther backwards and yeah, just yeah. the colors of nature are super inspiring for me.
0: I can feel that. Yeah your work really reflects that and it I was actually curious before we started I is there like a specific source of clay that you like connect to because earth has such a big impact in this connection for you does that also translate to the the earth that you're
1: using itself yeah I mean I um I don't use locally dug clay just because it's it's like a really big adventure to like dive into that world. I would right. love to someday. Um, I just use commercially made clay. So I buy powders of like milled clay mm. and, and then like combine them together to make clay. Or I just buy commercial clay from the manufacturer. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it. it is. The connection to the earth is a huge part of my practice as far as like being in a studio, working with, you know, basically like mud all day long is really, really fulfilling. (laughs) That's so great.
0: Earlier, before we started the recording, you mentioned eight months ago, made the transition to becoming a ceramicist full time. I'm curious, what has that been like for you in that transition?
1: Yeah, so in 2018 I actually like quit my job and went full time for almost a year and then it just kind of it just kind of got a little bit too hard to maintain a, like a full-time art lifestyle because it's sure. it's hard, you know. Yeah. And so then I got a job and then I moved and then I went and lived on a farm um and then you know finally when i moved back to montana i was like this is like what i'm working towards and it took me it took me a year and a half to like mm-hmm. work at my job and like save up and be like okay like doing both pottery and a job right now is getting to be too much and so i was like all right in may when you know show season starts i'm going to go full time and i think i timed it fairly well because Like basically nothing happens in the, I don't know, maybe not nothing, but not many shows happen between January and April. It's just not really a time of year for traveling to shows and buying art. And so I timed it so that May would be like my first show and then just did one, basically like one, sometimes like two shows a month for the rest of the year. And so I traveled to Oregon. I traveled to Wyoming, back to Idaho, Um, and like this year, I'm hoping to add Washington and Utah. Like I just want to do a whole circuit of the whole Pacific Northwest. But you know, my my goal was to travel and to sell at shows. And so I went to places that I wouldn't have been able to like take time off to go to. You know, and so it was kind of like. For me, it's, like, a two-in-one, because I lived a nomadic lifestyle for, like, four years traveling the country, and so there's, like, still a huge part of me that's, like, I just want to travel, and it can't be still for this long. And, yeah. But my time here in Montana, this is the longest I've um, lived in one place in, like, the last 10 years. And Wow. So, <laughs> yeah, so... And it's only been two, like almost two years. So it's just been, it's been fun to like travel from a home base versus Mm -hmm. just being a nomad. It's a totally different way of life. And I am in love with it.
0: Oh, good. I was about to say, like, that's very powerful to go from the constant ebb and flow to having a home base must feel really Mm -hmm. grounding for sure.
1: Yeah, and I honestly think that's probably part of why I had the space and time to, like, redo all of my products and, like, you know, Mm. spend time focusing on, like, how I can make my work better versus, like, I just need to make, to make, to make, to, like, survive, you know? And so now I'm like, all right, I'm going to have fun with it and just play. But, yeah, I don't think I would have had that space and time if I was traveling in my car. For and sure. it's hard to do pottery on the road. <laughs> I was about doing. to say, how did you manage that in the past? So, when I was traveling, I would basically like stop in back in Boise um, where I grew up for like a month or two and make a bunch of work and then keep traveling. Um, but most of the work that I did was just drawing like black ink, like pen drawings Um but yeah, no, I didn't do much pottery while I was actually traveling, and once I started getting back into pottery pretty heavily, I was like, I need to find somewhere to be. Yeah, <laughs> that makes
0: sense. I was like, is there a whole network of potters that will let you like rent out their studio just there, randomly on the well, road? I mean, kind of.
1: yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's. Yeah, so I cool. mean, you can like, um, there's, I mean, there's people with kilns everywhere, and so you can just. Know, make stuff, but it is hard to like, you know, sit down and have a practice. But
0: right. And with your another going back to your technique as well, your style of pottery is very unique because, and of course, feel free to explain it better, but I know that there yeah. is this pressing, you're kind of using slabs of clay and then forming them. And I'd love for you to share what that yeah. is like. Cause that, that's really intense. You need like so many different tools.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I don't need, um, electricity in my whole process, which I don't know if I did that on purpose or not. Um, but I mean, I need it to like fire the work, but like the whole buildup, um, I don't really need electricity and I need like a little bit of water, um, but mm-hmm. I don't need like running water. And so Yeah, I don't know if I did that intentionally or not, but basically, so slab building is the like style of pottery that I make. Mm -hmm. And so instead of throwing on a wheel, like most people associate pottery with like the little wheel and it spins and you just like, you know, make a little cup. And that's like the typical what people think pottery is. Mm -hmm. And so there's like a whole other side of it called slab building. And so I have this like, It's, I mean, like think of like a steamroller. It's just like, you know, and then you just like roll the clay through it and it slowly smushes it down into like a flat piece of clay. Mm -hmm. And then I just add and layer on all my patterns. I cut out different shapes and then wrap them up into different cylinders. And yeah, so it's a totally different way of working than than a lot of people work.
0: Yeah. It really resonates with your style how there's this connection to the ancient and this lack of electricity that I'm like really I'm I'm living for. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I mean I for a while I looked into like firing kilns with like solar so that you're not using, you know, grid energy. Um I just because I kind of have this idea long term of living off the grid. Um Mm. but it's really tricky to get that to work because the it just takes so much power to fire a kiln. Right. But um but yeah, the gas kiln that I have um basically just needs electricity for the air that's blowing in. And so it's a really low amount of electricity. It does take a lot of gas. Like most pottery isn't necessarily a sustainable practice. Mm-hmm. Um But I'm also right now looking in like learning and there's a thing called wood firing, which is similar to soda firing kind kind of, but they basically like put the stuff in the kiln and fire the whole thing with wood instead of gas. And, um, I don't really know exactly how much more sustainable it is. Like, you know, using like four cords of wood versus like $80 of gas or, you know, like, I don't know really it's kind of comparing to apples to oranges a little bit but right yeah like pottery isn't necessarily like a super sustainable practice but then you have the pieces and they'll last 10 years you know or more you can pass right. them down
0: yes so well with that I'm curious what your plans and goals for
1: the future are oh my gosh that is a loaded question <laughs> um <laughs> I think, you know, it's I think about it a lot because I'm like, I could it, you could go so many different ways. You know, like I could try to get into galleries and, you know, go more like like high scale work, I guess. You know, I right now I'm really enjoying like traveling and going to different shows and different places. Um, but I think long term really what I would love to, you know, what I'm always working towards is finding a little piece of land and building a little house. Um, I'm really obsessed with cob building and like straw bale, which are like natural um, Mm -hmm. building, building methods. And they're all using clay. And so it's like, I would, you know, it's, I think of like, I would love to sculpt a house someday. Um, (sighs) Just like, (laughs) yeah. Just basically, like, every detail, every curve is, like, sculpted by my hands and then I can live inside of it. Um That's kind of, like, a <laughs> pretty long-term goal, but yeah, and so it's just, like, I really want to create a community of artists that all want to, like, work and, you know, have studio practices and, like, live off the grid, you know. I mean, don't really want to, like, necessarily start a commune, <laughs> sure. But- but, um, you know, that is what that sounds like, I guess. <laughs> yeah.
0: So powerful, I think, to me, how many times I hear something similar to that, where it's like, where can we just be natural humans and create together?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's like, I love that that's the ultimate goal for like this generation now. It used to be yeah. the, the big house and white picket fence. And it's just like, no. <laughs> give me trees
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah like I want to learn how to like yeah power you know keep my water on my roof and then you know yeah <laughs> yeah I really love yeah yeah and I mean part of that for me is I studied permaculture I got like a permaculture design certificate years ago before I even really knew what it was and um there's just always been a part of me I think because of my like reverence for nature i just want to live as cohesively as i can
0: yes absolutely eventually (laughs) i would love for you to share where folks can connect with you where listeners can find you um and see the unveiling that is to come yeah totally
1: um so my Instagram is kind of the main place online that I focus my energy towards, and my handle is at narwhal and crow. Um, and then my website is the same, just www.narwhalandcrow.com. And then hopefully I will have my kiln unloaded by the end of January. I don't know when this will be published, but um, the unveiling might be very shortly after this interview it's released.
0: Cool. Well, thank you, Alexandria. I appreciate it. That was beautiful.
1: Yeah. Thank you. This was fun.